But all the all the broadcast uh, uh, media can do is give them a sense of flavor. It's all vegetable. It's digestible. It's delicious and nutritious, bite-sized and ready to eat. It's made with real egg formula. And here's a nice-looking record package in from New York. I woke up this morning with broadcasting on my mind. WCBN. America's ace of the airways. If this instrument is good for nothing but to entertain, amuse, and insulate, and we will soon see that the whole struggle is lost. Believing that radio has a responsibility to serve in the public interest at all times, we are turning over our facilities to the state militia at Trenton. WCBN FM. Ann Arbor. BN FM. WCBN FM. WCBN FM. WCBN FM. WCBN FM. A very pleasant, peaceful feeling. You relax deeper and deeper each downward count of my voice, ten. Relaxing deeper, nine. Letting the body gently begin to sink deeper, eight. Eight point three. Yes, it's like a, a push button radio, you see. 24 hours a day. Whether you like it or not, Oh, we're limited to a 500-mile radius now, but we're working to extend that limit. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And Mark Twain once said, <laughs> Wagner's music is worse than it sounds. <laughs> and I think that's a very apposite uh, description probably of this Elliot Spitzer scandal, which is uh, kind of humorous, but... Uh, has the markings of setup all over it, so I'm I'm gonna wait and see what happens. But it's funny that he's client number nine, number nine, number nine. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, your suite is available. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, because he aggressively went after crooks on Wall Street when he was Attorney General of New York, a potential uh, future presidential candidate, very prominent. Mm. Um, that. All appears to have gone up in smoke, uh, but I guess we'll wait and see, as the saying goes. So, I'm not one of these people that thinks violating the Mann Act, which was uh, one of Jagger Hoover's favorite laws to employ to uh, go after people. Often very loosely interpreted. Very loosely interpreted. And uh, so all the calls for his, him to resign, it's an outrage and all that stuff, is uh, a little premature. Um, what exactly happened uh, remains a little bit unclear, but it's an example, once again, I might add, of uh, 
the power of the New York Times and their ability to investigate and get leaks. And somebody in the FBI is leaking a lot of information about Elliot Spitzer, and it's probably a sort of Schadenfreude payback, political payback uh, situation. And I think that it pales in comparison to the real crimes of uh, some of our politicians and uh, is an example, I think, of the media overplaying the sex. For instance, George Bush. Uh, this is fascinating to uh, actually go back and, you know, the five-year anniversary of the start of the Gulf War. We'll be is next it five years already? Yeah, we'll be next week. And it's uh, fascinating to note, by the way, that... Uh, Shortly after the war started, uh, Bush aides were publicly claiming that the war would cost between 70 and $90 billion. And that most of that would be covered by Iraqi oil money. Yeah, according to Wolfie, uh, Mr. Wolfowitz, who uh, is now back in government. However, a recent Harper's Index shows that the total medical cost projected... Uh, for U.S. veterans in the Iraq and Afghanistan war, and this is just from a couple of months ago, Harper's Index, $500 billion. And that's just medical costs. That's just medical costs. Not any of the other costs incurred uh, and that continue to accrue every minute of the day. And uh, the Iraq war has obviously exceeded the cost of the Vietnam War. There's a new book out, by the way, by Joseph Siglitz, uh, co-written with a... Uh, another author that uh, whose name escapes me, but uh, the book's entitled "The Three Trillion Dollar War." So uh, that's remarkable that it's exceeded the expenditures for the Vietnam War, considering in five years. Well, when you look, for instance, the fact that security guards, <coughs> private security guards, right. are paid a thousand dollars a day. Uh, th- th- this is tax American taxpayer money that's subsidizing. A few corporations, and by the way, there are 100,000, uh, quote, private, you know, civilians working in Iraq on behalf of the United States. So the, the numbers in Iraq are much greater than the 150,000, 160,000 troops or, 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 you know, whatever the official uh, last estimate is. And uh, it's, uh, it's amazing uh, that this uh, thing can continue. Well, we all, of course, lost an hour of sleep over the weekend, and so uh, while we're recovering that, uh, the sobering news that uh, Americans are getting poorer and that household wealth has declined uh, for the first time in five years was uh, released uh, last week by uh, the Federal Reserve. Uh, This article in the Financial Times by Krishna Gua. Data showed total household wealth fell $533 billion down to... $57,718 $57,718 billion in the fourth quarter as falling share prices added to the damage from dropping house prices as the uh, real estate markets plummet in some cases. Yeah, indeed. I mean, the, the, there were a lot of uh, sobering economic uh, reports just last week and uh, the latest unemployment uh, data showing uh, 63,000 jobs lost in the uh, month of February. Some other interesting statistics and facts about what's actually going on. Uh, it, by the way, it's remarkable that uh, with 63,000 people more unemployed, that the unemployment rate some, somehow goes down, but we'll explain that uh, in due course here. For instance, the Edmund Andrews uh, article in Saturday's New York Times about the uh, labor picture has some amazing stuff in it. Uh, some of the following are interesting. 
let's see. This article is actually written by David Leonard, but I'll just quote this paragraph. In one apparent piece of good news, the employment report was a mirage. The unemployment rate fell to 4.9% from 4.8% uh, from 4.9%, but only because more people stopped looking for work and thus were not counted as unemployed. That's, tip, that's, that's typically the case. Yeah. Um, it's uncountable. Uh, that means that the numbers are worse than they actually appear. Over the last year, the number of officially unemployed has risen by 500,000, while the number of people outside the labor f- force neither looking for work nor a job has risen to 1.3 million people. Um, I don't know how John McCain runs on uh, George Bush's economic record. There are some other amazing... Uh, facts that are starting to emerge about the economy. And this uh, from Edmund Andrews. On Thursday, the Mortgage Bankers Association reported that 7.9% of all loans, a record high, were past due or in foreclosure. Until the third quarter of last year, the rate had not climbed above 7% since 1979. Home prices are falling in almost every part of the country. Some analysts now predict that average home prices will ultimately fall 20% from their peak in 2000. The effect is reducing household wealth, according to the data from the Fed. Household wealth declined by $900 billion in the fourth quarter last year. And indeed, the ratio of home equity, homeowners' equity, to the value of their houses fell below 50% for the first time in history. Last year, according to the Fed, and far more alarming is that about 30% of all houses bought in 2005 and 2006 are, quote, underwater, meaning that they have mortgages that are higher than their resale value. So the housing problem is just now getting started. And I think, uh, I don't mean to be a peddler of, quote, gloom and doom, but I think that... Uh, this, quote, recession that's obviously underway, um, and uh, if we have another negative jobs report uh, next month, that will definitely confirm that there is a recession, because three straight uh, job, uh, monthly job declines uh, indicates uh, sort of mathematical proof of a recession. Um, that uh, the, you know, the, house, the housing picture is murky now, only $200 billion have, quote, been officially written off, but some experts point out that there are another $800 billion of write-downs eminent by these large financial, financial institutions. So we're looking at a serious disaster that will probably last another uh, 12 to 18 months, and I don't know how John McCain uh, can, in good conscience, claim that we, uh, we need more tax cuts. Yeah, interesting story, too, about the uh, Carlyle Group. I'm not sure if you've heard about this, but they're facing margin calls. Mm. And, of course, uh, many figures... H.W. has got his uh, checkbook out yet. Many of the uh, members of the uh, so-called Carlyle Capital Group Corporation, also known as the Carlyle Group, uh, have connections to the Bush administration, H.W. being the uh, most prominent above them. Um see here, according to this article, that the shares have been uh, suspended at $5, well below their $19 initial public offering price. 
Carlyle, like many other fund groups, uh, they're one of the world's biggest buyout firms, is locked in a showdown with banks who are reducing their financing lines to funds with big investments in mortgage and corporate securities. But the bank's attempt to manage their exposure, which makes sense on an individual basis, risks precipitating a systematic crisis. By cutting back on their lending, the banks are forcing funds to unload securities. At the same time, they are increasing the likelihood of a death spiral in the market as funds such as Carlyle's are selling those debts into a falling market, causing the prices to plunge further. When you hear terms like death spiral and margin calls, you've, you've got to realize that this is big and this is beyond the capacity of the current uh, political administration to do anything about it. Yeah, and it's interesting that some of the supporters of the Bush administration are now trying to blame Europe uh, for not cutting interest rates that's contributing to this run on the dollar. But uh, the facts are uh, oil went up today to $108 a barrel, all-time high. Um, There are serious economic problems And the Federal Reserve, quite frankly, can only do so much. Uh, They have cut interest rates considerably since August, and there's very little room for them to cut. They, you know, may be able to knock off a point or two, but that isn't going to do the trick here. Uh, This is a, you know, as I said many months ago, the problem in the economy is essentially Americans have too much debt. And we've talked about this before, but it's the fact that we've been uh, operating with massive foreign uh, trade deficits and federal deficits that really started under Richard Nixon, uh, accelerated under Ronald Reagan, and uh, have really gone through the roof under the current uh, shoe shuffler uh, at the White House. I don't know if you saw that picture of Bush doing the jig, waiting for John McCain to show up when he endorsed him. I thought, well, there's a, a happy fella. Perfect image of a of a complete nincompoop. <laughs> we'll give him a yeah. We'll give him a brain damage award, uh, and I guess we'll give McCain a brain damage award for being late. <laughs> <clears throat> well, it's not just oil uh, that's uh, going through the uh, ceiling. Uh, rice prices have surged to twenty-year high. Um, it's gone up about 75% mm-hmm. per ton in the last year. Uh, this is hugely significant uh, for obvious reasons when you think about uh, the fact that there are billions of people for whom this is a staple crop. Sure. And when a country like India, which is the third largest exporter of rice in the world, is uh, making moves to restrict the amount of rice. For example, the basmati rice is uh, like a premium grain. It's Mm -hmm. thick, it's fluffy, it's tasty, everyone loves it. And because it gets a bigger price, it tends to be sold primarily as an export crop and a cash crop for India. Uh, But uh, not only basmati, but other higher level grades of rice, they're no longer going to sell them so that they can guarantee the needs of their own people. And, of course, this has Indian farmers upset because they like to get those good export prices. But uh, as a precautionary measure, uh, you can understand that, uh, let's quote from Robert Ziegler here, the director of something called the International Rice Research Institute in Manila, observes, I think, uh, rather importantly, that if history is any indicator, we should be worried because rice shortages have in the past led to civil unrest. You've got high fuel costs, you've mm-hmm. got high food costs, you've got joblessness. 
you said earlier you don't want to talk doom and gloom, but you have to talk about reality and see that uh, things are not really well situated at the moment in the world economy. Well, they're not, and it's a lot of it is you know due to errors that are they're being made here in the uh, United States. You know, to quote Woody Allen, "Fields of wheat, fields of wheat, 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 cream of wheat." Yeah, <laughs> I love that. That's from Love and Death. But wheat costs have gone way up. There are wheat shortages. Uh, this will have an impact eventually on bread. We've seen the doom and gloom from the pizza joints claiming that uh, even pizza prices will go Their up. margins aren't adequate, and they may have to rise, uh, raise prices. So, yeah, and, and this gets back to this idiotic ethanol, uh, corn-based. Yeah, partly uh, to blame. We are corn, uh, as a, a famous uh, article in last year's New York Review of Books. Uh, noted, uh, corn is now in 500 and, let's see, 55,000 products available at the supermarket. Unbelievable. Um, Hillary Clinton seems to have, um, well, delayed the, the end, but I think she's going to get clobbered tomorrow in Mississippi. Um, so Obama will probably wipe out all of her gains that she made in the delegate count last week, if she made any gains at all, uh, pending these uh, mysterious results from Texas. But I wanted to point out that the media, by oh. the way, is, is uh, erroneous in some of their, quote, delegate count projections. You know, we're having this big, the, the, the annual or nightly debates about pledge delegates and all that stuff. Um, it's been pointed out, by the way, that all delegates are essentially unpledged. Uh, they can they can switch. This is not. Uh, we've even seen this, by the way, in the electoral college uh, before. Indeed, yeah. Where a couple of quote electors uh, have not voted the way they were supposed to, uh, including in 2000. By the way, one of the electors pledged to Al Gore did not do so. Uh, I don't know what that would cause if uh, you know in a real in a real constitutional crisis in which something like that happened. But it's, you know, it's important to realize, by the way, that um, some of the caucus states that Barack Obama has won, and I'm just mentioning this uh, for the record. For instance, in the state of Colorado, Idaho, North Dakota, and Alaska, uh, all states that Obama, quote, won, um, the delegates actually are picked at a later date from the, the caucus. So some of the estimates that... You're seeing on television, I think, are overestimates. And uh, I think there needs to be a little more caution in writing off either one of these candidates. Obviously, Hillary Clinton uh, appears to be uh, the one that will eventually lose. But it looks to me like this is really going to come down to what we call the final four <laughs> in, uh, in May. Uh, if uh, March Madness is coming out, uh, coming up, and if you picked in a normal year Kentucky, North Carolina, Indiana, and Oregon, you'd have a reasonable chance of <laughs> having those predictions come true. Now, this year I wouldn't do that because, uh, well, North Carolina, yeah, pick them for the Final Four. <laughs> uh, but uh, avoid Kentucky and Indiana. And Oregon, uh, I don't even think we'll make the tournament. But anyway, those four states have key primaries in uh, May uh, over a, the course of a couple of weeks. And I think that will ultimately determine uh, the Democratic nominee. Um, we'll see who wins them and by how much. But uh, I think it's quite clear that Hillary will win Pennsylvania convincingly. Uh, 
and that's going to be Obama's challenge. If he can mm -hmm. keep it to a 10-point margin like he did in Ohio, he ultimately doesn't fall that far behind in the delegates. And uh, that may be the whole key to uh, what we're seeing uh, down the stretch here. And then there's Guam. <laughs> and then there's Guam. And hopefully Guar will eventually get to vote as well. <laughs> well, if you've got a friend in Diebold, you voting privileges are probably uh, unparalleled. Of course, there was a crash in Guam a couple of weeks ago of a B-2 bomber. Mm. $1.2 billion went up in smoke. It's the cost of one of those puppies. And that's just the cost of the plane, not the yeah. cost. <laughs> well, uh, just this little article of interest here. Um, Obama vows to end Iraq war in 2009. This from the March 8th Ann Arbor News. Uh, that's encouraging that he would say such a thing because, of course, some months ago he was saying we would likely be there until 2013. And uh, we thought that was fairly ludicrous on its face. Um, the crowd cheers, of course, as he vows to end the war in 2009. Um, and he's, you know, trying to score various points there by saying that uh, the, there would never have been a war if I had been president. It was because of George Bush with an assist from Hillary Clinton and John McCain that we got into this war. Um, on a more amusing note, later in the article, talking to uh, regular uh, citizens just like yourself and I, at a nearby table, Jeanette Clark, a social worker at a privately run substance abuse center, received a handshake and an autograph from Obama. But in an interview, she said she will vote for Clinton. Mm. So I guess Obama wasted his time on that autograph. But uh, there's something about the whole celebrity fascination here, yeah. too, that uh, is, I suppose, uh, in, in today's age, if that's somebody's entry-level point of interest into politics, I'll go hear this guy speak because he's a celebrity, even though I'm going to vote for somebody else. Sure. <clears throat> I suppose it's not entirely without merit, but... It is a little disappointing, I guess. Well, I did go see Ralph Nader in 2000 and uh, ended up not voting for him. But I, I went to see him more for, you know, a flavor of what his stump speech was really yeah. all about. And it was interesting that he was uh, introduced by uh, Michael Moore and Phil Donahue, speaking yep. of celebrities. Yeah, indeed. And one of the uh, interesting things that I noticed, I've been kind of, uh, oh, two weeks ago when we had the spring break, I'd really caught up on some old uh, newspaper clippings. And one of the interesting things that I saw uh, from last July was the unbelievable amount of money that Obama and Hillary were raising. And this is why the race really was over before it even got started. Mm. It was fascinating to see that, you know, on the 7th of July, Obama had raised $35 million and Hillary had raised $32 million. And this third place person was Edwards at nine million. So it's been this, uh, one, I think one of the unfortunate things about the, the Democrats here is it, uh, normally they would have a gimme, you know, uh, in this presidential race for a variety of historical reasons. Right. The war, the economy, uh, people tend to have a kind of a, you know, the pendulum swing back theory of American history that, uh, you know, has some validity to it would all be working in favor of the Democrats, but because they sort of threw the white guys out right off the bat, uh, didn't look maybe a little harder at a guy like Bill Richardson, they ended up with their two riskiest candidates. And we're, we're seeing in this primary battle 
the downside of both uh, Hillary Clinton and Obama for a variety of reasons. Uh, Obama has done well with certain demographics, but you start to wonder uh, in a general election how he wins uh, many of these caucus states out west that he's so fond of talking about. These states are going to vote Republican. <laughs> um, the, the sad reality about American politics is uh, it usually comes down to these 10% that don't know. And uh, it, it's scary that it's like that. And it will come down to about 10 states. And, of course, Ohio is going to be one of them. Um, I think that uh, Hillary Clinton's win in Ohio was very impressive. It was uh, thorough, um, you know, other than a couple of major urban areas. But she did well in the suburbs. She got back to her demographics uh, that worked for her in uh, some other states. And I would highly recommend uh, people to check out the February 7th edition of the New York Times showing the map of Missouri, because I think this is a very fascinating, um, shall we say, breakdown of, of how these candidates did in all the counties in Missouri. And if you look at it, what's very interesting about it, by the way, this is essentially a state that was tied. Obama won this state by one point. He won by less than 10,000 votes uh, out of uh, 800,000 cast, 49 to 48. And he won because he was able to uh, rack up a 77,000 vote majority in St. Louis. But if, you, the, but if you look at the places that he won, he only won four counties in the entire state of Missouri, and yet he was able to win the nomination. Kansas City, uh, a county up in northwest uh, Missouri that I don't know what that is. It might be Missouri. It might be a college town, I suspect. And then Columbia, where the University of Missouri is located. And then St. Louis. But Hillary Clinton won every single other county. So it's very interesting um, to compare this Missouri situation with what happened in Ohio. Mm -hmm. It's a very similar situation, <clears throat> only in Ohio, Hillary did much better uh, in some of the urban areas. And she won in Ohio, by the way, because of the establishment. Ted Strickland, uh, Congressman Tub Jones, I think her name is Sherry, Sheila Tub Jones, I, I, the, don't quote me on the first name, but she was a superb spokesperson African-American woman who represents Cleveland. She was a superb spokesperson for Hillary Clinton. And it, John Glenn, you know, the former mm -hmm. astronaut, was for Hillary Clinton. So there was an establishment Democratic Party that brought out, quote, the base, so to speak. And that's really why she won there. Those home field advantages probably are not going to work for her in these states that I just mentioned, these uh, final four states and coming up in May. So it'll be very interesting to see what her margin is in Pennsylvania. Ed Rendell is in favor of, of Hillary, and he's got a kind of an old machine, too. So she should probably win Pennsylvania by eight or nine points. And then we get to the final four, and we'll see what happens. But uh, North Carolina, Indiana, Oregon, and uh, Kentucky uh, will probably determine this whole thing. And it will be fascinating to see if we do indeed have... A redo here in the state of Michigan. Yeah, there's a uh, talk afoot that that may be the case. I mean, you know, uh, to me, mailing in ballots is perfect, uh, a perfectly good way to do it. Oregon has mail voting uh, by mail, mm -hmm. and they have the highest turnout of any state in America. 
Because it's easy. You don't and have everybody can do the mail. The uh, yeah. the idea of uh, internet voting yeah. or something is absurd. Is absurd because most people still do not have that. What you should be allowed to do is is mail in a affidavit in which you sign your, you know, you look at your voter registration card and you put down your county precinct, etc., and sign it and then send it in to the Democratic uh, Party. And let them count the votes. This idea that we don't have time to do this is a complete lie, by the way. I remember from several years ago noting that in Canada, the nation of Canada, they hand count all ballots. It takes them five hours. That's 11 million votes. This, I think, underscores the absurdity of how pathetic our democracy really is in America. Anemic. Anemic. And for us to be running around the world preaching democracy to other people when our, our own democracy is in shambles, really, uh, is, is remarkable hypocrisy. Well, and what's there for McCain to do in the meantime while uh, we wait for the uh, outcome of the Hillary-Obama? Just try to... Look, not too puffy, I guess. Yeah, well, fundraise. And, and, and raise not, funds. He's and not uh, good at that, and, and that may <clears throat> ultimately doom him. And by the way, I think it's absolutely absurd of Obama to agree to, you know, some sort of deal based on some questionnaire that he filled out two years ago. Um, no, he, if, if he's got a huge advantage in fundraising, he should take it. You know, why... why uh, you know, why handicap yourself based on a questionnaire that you filed, I don't know, two years ago that the media is trying to turn into a big issue? That's mm-hmm. just nonsense. Just say, hey, I'm raising a lot more money than John McCain. To heck with uh, campaign limits. Sure, I, ag- I agree in theory we should have them, but why should I be hampered? Right. We haven't uh, agreed to these limits in the past. And the Republicans have outspent the Democrats by just enormous sums in many of these uh, presidential elections. So why the Democrats would... would but ah, the Democrats, they're so incompetent. It's, well, it's mind-boggling. Throw an advantage away. Yeah. Well, we're just about... We are at the top of the hour, in fact. And Yazoo City Calling will be coming up next. I want to urge listeners, if you haven't yet gone out to see There Will Be Blood, it's still in the theaters for one more week. It's a great film. I can't recommend it strongly enough. So uh, try to see that. Thanks to uh, Andrew and Alex for engineering. And do stay tuned. Uh, Yazoo City Calling is coming up next right here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. It appears that the willing and able Bob Strauch is sitting in tonight. We love him on Saturdays with the Down Home Show and uh, Bill Monroe for breakfast. He is an outstanding person and one of CBN's most valuable assets. So do stay tuned. He's making noises in the chair. His face is getting red. I don't think it's as red as mine. <laughs> I did a little drinking last night, and I'm still uh, paying for it. Bob Strout coming up next with the Azu City Calling. Good night. Yeah, big thanks to the Gray Matters folks. And avoid that problem of having a little too much to drink by having a lot too much to drink. No, we're just kidding. We do not advocate that under any circumstances. We just want you to have a good life. You're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Welcome to Yazoo City Calling. My name is Bob. I'm from Yazoo City. And here's Kokomo Arnold. Mm -hmm. 